Okay, this is episode two of my podcast, Out with the Old, In with the New, In the Closet with Shasta Eve. And yes, I'm in my closet. (laughs) It's a real thing. It's not a joke. (laughs) This is where I do all of my things. Yep, I need to like build a house someday that has a closet with a couple windows in it because my closet doesn't have windows it's big but no windows okay so this is episode two of the beginning of my journey into healing narcissistic abuse trauma and trauma bond healing and detoxing is what I'm going to call it (laughs) Detoxing from a trauma bond is feeling just like I'd imagine it feels when you go into rehab and you're trying to heal from a substance. I'll tell you what, I sure feel like I'm in rehab. (laughs) It has been, it's been an interesting couple of days and... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain a little bit about why I didn't put out a podcast day before yesterday, which was when I wanted to, but also just explain kind of how real it is that when you recognize that you have a trauma bond with somebody, I mean, you could have a trauma bond with a few different people in your life, but when it's the most recent and possibly, for me, the most intense. I think it's the longest trauma bond that I've put effort into, that I've committed to, and that's my ex-husband. But it's, it's, I heard it was going to be, be like this. I heard that when you detox from the addiction to a person, it's harder than, it's 99.9% harder than detoxing from drugs or alcohol. I honestly, I've, I've watched, well not watched, but from afar, seen a lot of people that I grew up with on heroin. And that one seems to be difficult. And I know that a lot of people that listen to my podcast um, understand what I'm saying because you come from the same town. But yeah, guys, it's been a rough couple days. And I mean, I can, I can even tell there's a difference in my tone, but that's just because I'm, I'm like right now I'm, I'm in a better place, but it's just real. And I just have to make sure that I keep it real. So yesterday it was actually starting the day before I received a couple of messages from my ex-husband and these messages were like, I mean, I'm just going to say that, and and just hear me out, you know, like, even though I am, quote unquote, done with that relationship, I walked away. That was my first, like, spiritual awakening, life awakening, aha moment, whatever. I was done, and I already talked about that in my first episode. Even though you're done, you realize that 
the 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 reason why so many people keep repeating the same kind of relationships is because they don't understand that when they leave that important person in their life that they have to heal they have to heal from that bond they have to do some inner childhood healing you have to understand yourself more in order to never repeat the same cycle in relationships that's hard (laughs) that's really really hard and it's honestly you guys it's the hardest thing I've ever done it's the most taxing and exhausting mentally physically all of it it's it's just like I I'd imagine a drug detoxing detoxification And I think that, you know, even though we repeat these same cycles, like if you're in a marriage right now and that the person that you're married to is a narcissist or has traits of a narcissist or is similar to a cycle repeating from your childhood, that's exhausting. Life is exhausting. When you are not healing, getting healed, healed, whatever. It's so exhausting. But I'll just tell you. The past two days, I have been in bed. Day before yesterday, I got so tired towards the evening. that I could feel myself shutting down. And like I had mentioned, I had received messages from my ex-husband. And we have kids together. And so... We have to talk. He moved four and a half hours away with his girlfriend. And so he's trying to bring my children into his world, but my kids don't want to go. And I don't control my kids. I get they're old enough to where they can decide how they feel. Plus they have been, they have been a part of emotional abuse and not being acknowledged as like their feelings are 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 important I mean they're told that that their feelings are not important that what's real is what's real and that's basically whatever their father tells them it it is whatever he thinks is important is important so I'm not going to force my kids to be in that environment but I'm not I'm going to leave it up to them so we have to talk about those kinds of things him and I and I'm learning how to how to how to handle that, but not when he messages me. It's not like it's just about the kids. If I haven't given him what he is asking for, because he's still trying to figure out, even though he has somebody in his life, narcissists try and figure out if you're still going to be their supply for their needs. I've been his supply for 15 years, and now that I'm no longer giving him anything that he wants or that he requires, or I'm not, that now that I'm choosing me and my kids, he reaches, (laughs) he reaches. And so without taking too much time talking about that, he, in those text messages about the kids, quote unquote, he will use words 
that he knows will hopefully get me to fight back, hopefully get me to respond or lash out so that we can have one of those moments we're addicted to having. And I won't take the bait. And so it's pissing him off and he'll keep saying things. He said something to me the other day about, you are just mad that I told you about my loving, my committed loving relationship. And that's why you're being the way you're being. He then proceeds to tell me that he understands that may be difficult for me. (laughs) That I, that he's going to respect my space so that I can, (laughs) so that I can have, have that like, He's trying to be that that caretaker. Oh, Shasta, I know that this upsets you. Okay, well, while he's saying that, he is very wrong. But at the same time, he's using words that, while in healing from that 15-year toxic trauma bond, my subconscious very much hears it, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. It's just there's, I'm not, I am not healed. Am I healing? Yes. But he's, he's throwing salt in an open wound. And I cannot rise to the moment. I can't do what I'm used to doing. I can't go after my fix. I don't want love from him anymore. I don't want to pull from him to get my acceptance in this world anymore. Why? Because I've acknowledged that I'm addicted to that. I'm addicted to being something for somebody in order to get love or be seen. But I know I can't do that anymore. I can't express myself to him. I can't explain myself to him. I can't. I mean, when you try and express your emotions to a narcissist, they just use it for ammo later. Every time. Every time. So I had to take a step back. But what I didn't realize was that it really having... That trigger, it sent my body into a cortisol rise to my brain. Because if you don't know, cortisol is released when you feel stress in any circumstance. Stress, cortisol releases from your kidney and shoots up to your brain. And it quite literally drowns parts of your brain. It starts to shrink the hippocampus section of your brain which that part of your brain is the part of your brain that makes decisions it's where your short-term memory is and then it starts to inflate the amygdala which is where all of your what do they call it your uh reptilian brain it's where all of your intense emotions are and so it spikes anxiety it can spike Depression, it can it makes you very heightened aware to everything around you, which when you are which when you are abused in your life or you have trauma from a younger age and you learn to be an empath, you have so much empathy, you have so much you feel people's emotions, you sense people's feelings. I mean, if you're anything like I am, I can walk into a room and I analyze everything. I pick up on everything. That's because I've been taught to always be in fight or flight mode. I need to know what's going on all the time. All the time. 
it's a part of what affects my relationships. <laughs> like if you're dating me, good luck because it is really hard to surprise me. I hate being surprised. I have to know everything that's going on. I need to have a schedule. And that can be frustrating. <laughs> and once, who knows, maybe that'll, with time, that'll get better. But I'm just, my senses go through the roof. And they say you become hyper vigilant as being somebody who is an empath and you've had trauma in your life. You're very hyper vigilant. Like you sense everything sounds, cars pulling up, um, something dropping in the other room. What's going on outside my window? My thoughts are on overload. Everything is heightened to the point of just pure exhaustion. And because I'm not lashing out to cover those feelings up, to like mask all of that, it's difficult. A lot of people, you know, I may not text Brian, my ex-husband, to get my fix, so to speak or to cover up my emotions, or to feed that part of my addiction, I may text somebody else that I'm, I've had maybe a physical connection with, or something that, maybe another trauma bond, or some people just, they turn to sex, or they turn to caffeine, or they turn anything to give them a rush. That's normal. Those that's, we, why feel? When, our, when we have been taught our entire lives not to feel, why feel? That's not normal. <laughs> it's not normal. It feels weak. So I'm held accountable right now to a few people in my life being on this journey. They know that I'm doing inner healing and that I'm trying to really never repeat cycles. And so I'm held accountable. I can't just mask anymore. I can't have that facade and I can't say I'm healing but then I'm doing stupid shit on the side that feeds that that issue that covers that issue so I got tired and I slept all night and all day the next day and anytime I had to get up I was mad (laughs) I was just mad I didn't want to talk on the phone I didn't want to look at my phone I did just shut down I wanted everything to just be quiet. And I was hurting. There were words being flown through my brain. Like a wrecking ball. Just, you are always going to be alone. You're never going to have love. He's found love. He's moved on. You're trying to heal so you're messy. Oh, you're messy. Yes, you've always been messy. Like these lies just flying through my heart and my brain. Just demolition. Just like tearing up my insides. And I think that that's something that people feel in rehab, I'm sure. So it keeps people running back to their addictions. It's hard. It's hard to face those lies. And then shut them up. And speak the truth. It's hard. And so when I woke up this morning, I realized that by me paying attention to the fact that I needed to rest yesterday and I didn't just get up and push through it like I'm used to doing. Because in my marriage, Brian would tell me, you're getting better. 
you're getting better at not being driven by your emotions. You're getting better at just like moving on and just, just going through the motions. What he's really telling me is that good girl, good girl, you're no longer being selfish with your emotion. Good girl. Let me just tell you a little, little story really quick. This is kind of like, I wasn't going to share this, but it just came to my mind. When him and I got a divorce, and then we started dating, he blamed me for our divorce, of course. Divorce, of course. (laughs) He blamed me for it. Which is fine, you know, I was like used to taking that because he always said anything he did wrong, I had to like be right there alongside him just as wrong or more wrong. So it's like, we both sucked at our marriage, but Shasta, you put the nails in the coffin by doing A, B, and C, which was, which was B, S. But when we started dating again, it was like I had to earn. He told me that I had to earn my place in his life as that woman again because he didn't trust me. I had to earn his love. Yes, I'll date you, Shasta, but I've got backup plans, he told me. I have backup plans. I haven't told these girls no, uh, you know, because what if, what if Shasta, what if you fail? And I'm putting, I promise you this is real life. I'm not making things up and I'm not sugarcoating and I'm not making myself sound better than him. These are real events in my life, real moments. This one's hard for me to talk about. It's hard for me to talk about because it is really painful to love, be addicted to somebody. I have to take a deep breath because it is, it's, it's a, it's a pain point, but that's why I'm talking about it. To love somebody, to be addicted to someone that you have quite literally feel like you've bowed to their feet in order to get their love. You've got children with them. You've dropped your family and friends for them. In order to keep this person happy and connected to you, seeing you as this, what they need to see you as to love you. Because I had to be something in order for him to love me. And it wasn't just being Shasta. It actually wasn't Shasta much at all. He told me that he wanted to live life a certain way. That he wanted to do things that he had never done before. And that he wanted me to do them with him. But if it wasn't going to be me then Shasta, it's going to be somebody else. So do you want to do these things or not? If you say no, then it'll be someone else. So I said yes. And I spent the past five years making decisions that, mainly the past three years, making decisions that I would have never made ever in my entire life. But I was so addicted to this man's love that I was willing to quite literally die to myself while he was saying to people that we had the best relationship we've ever had and then at one point he told me after a very traumatic event you've earned you finally earned my love 
Oh, God. You've earned it. And so I am now, now that I am changing my way of thinking, which is so hard, I'm realizing how much of this lifestyle that so many of us live is an actual addiction. And we're not even, we have no idea how to validate ourselves. We have no idea how to love ourselves. We have no idea how to be at peace because we're always worried about everybody else. Everything else is a worry. From the time I wake up until the moment my eyes close and even while I'm dreaming, I'm, I'm manifesting dreams of panic and worry. That is my life. That is my life. I feel anxious all the time. So there's that. (laughs) There's that. So here we are now. I wake up this morning and I knew I had to get up. But I didn't want to and I laid there and I was like, okay, you took yesterday, Shasta, to love yourself. How are you going to love yourself today but put one foot in front of the other? And so what I, what I realized scientifically is that my cortisol levels were dropping more of like a balance level. And with that being said, I was able to make decisions. I was able to think. And so I got up and I said, how are you going to love yourself today, Shasta? Like, how are you going to move one foot in front of the other and not pay attention to the lies, not not be so bogged down in your brain and to stop the demolition that's been going on for the past few days. All right. We know that we like to work out. Okay. So we're going to get outside. So I went outside. Normally I'd take a really long walk with one of my kids. I wouldn't be alone, but this time I went by myself and you know, it's funny. It's hard to do things alone right now, but I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to push myself outside of my comfort zone so I took this walk and it was gorgeous today so I'm just like taking in deep breaths and I'm walking and I did a short walk but I was listening to some videos from some um therapists that I really 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 love listening to right now and I got back home and I sat outside on the sidewalk before I coming in the house and I just took a minute and I just want to tell you that one of the most beautiful things that you can do for yourself when you have been abused your whole life, when you've been experiencing trauma after trauma after trauma in your life, or even hardship after hardship, just you are like me, just anxiety-driven, hypervigilant, stress is the name of the game. One of the most important ways you can start to heal without a therapist, because sometimes that takes some time, without anybody's help. Sit by yourself, whether it's outside, whether it's in a spacious room, whether it's in your favorite room, your closet, (laughs) I don't care what it is. Take a minute and love yourself. Because if you are somebody like me, you don't know what it's like to love yourself. You quite literally, since you were little, have been conditioned to believe that taking time to love yourself is stupid. 
is pointless, is too feminine, it's too, it's weak. But every single human, man, woman, child, adult, I don't care who it is, we have to learn to take a minute and we have to love ourselves. If you do not love yourself, and we've heard it's cliche, but if you don't love yourself, you can't love others. It's not even, it's much bigger than that. So I'm learning just as anybody else, maybe who's listening to me or or is going through similar things, is learning to do it too. I took some time today to tell myself I love you. Shasta, good job. Shasta, I love you. Shasta, you're worthy of this moment right here. You're not worried about the kids. You're not worried about work. You're not worried about money. You're not worried about what you're going to wear, what you don't have, what you want to have, the future, the past. You're just present in the moment. Here's the next thing. When you're in that self-love moment, express gratitude. Be grateful. Because gratitude seems to birth life and healing. It just does. It sparks something in your brain. It sparks something in your body. So those things are really important. So then the next step, I said, okay, I'm going to do a cold shower. Because I'm learning that that can drop your anxiety and boost your serotonin and and deflate inflammation in your body. Because I've been feeling really heavy the past few days. So I came in my bathroom and I got in a cold shower. Now, sometimes that feels like the moment you want to get in a warm shower after having like you're feeling stress. You know, you want to feel that like relaxation. You don't want to feel like this cold where your body is going to have to face another moment, you know. But honestly, when you do it, start off like with it a little bit warm and then get a little bit colder. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to bring you all into my closet. I'm bringing you into the shower. <laughs> but really, like I was in the shower and I'm like, okay, why do I feel like I'm supposed to acknowledge my younger self? Oh yeah, that's because I'm freaking healing. Like, here we go again. Okay, so I'm like in the shower and I'm going, and this is just, I'm being very real, very, very intimate, very honest. I just silenced everything and I turned my back to the water and I just stood there and I put my hand over my heart. And I just, like I started moving my thumb as if I was like comforting a child. And I started crying and I was remembering a memory from my childhood And I was acknowledging that moment where I knew that everything changed in my life and I now had to fight or flight and I had no other option. And I was telling myself, good job, good job, good job for making it. And then I said, you're safe. And that might sound so, <laughs> might sound so silly. <clears throat> but I'm going to tell you right now. It makes me all teary and vulnerable. 
but that's what we're doing, right? It was one of the realest moments of my life. I wasn't anywhere else. I wasn't in, in that demolition in my brain or my heart. I wasn't in my, I wasn't thinking about my kids. I wasn't thinking about anything. No to-dos, no nothing. I was just right there with myself and I was telling myself, you're safe. Do you know what kind of platform that opened up for my day? Just to operate from that place of safety. We have to get to that place where we are one with ourselves. It might sound hippie. I don't, I do not care. It's truth. We have to get to that place where we're one with ourselves in the moment, in that very moment. We have to be okay with the positive, the negative, the low vibration, the high vibration, whatever you want to call it. We have to accept and acknowledge all of it because it's what makes us who we are. And we have to build a platform of love and safety. I'm going to continue to go to those dark places in my childhood. And I'm going to love myself through it. I'm going to remember those times in my life. I'm going to write them down and I'd urge anybody who wants to heal from abuse or wants to heal from trauma and isn't yet in therapy to do this by yourself, to sit down wherever you need to, whatever makes you feel that like clear atmosphere. You're just like, you're in your element. I don't know what it is. It could be anything for you, but figure it, figure it out, figure out what that spot is. Get a pen and paper or get your phone, whatever feels more comfortable and start writing down things about your childhood. What made you feel loved when you were little? What was the first moment you felt love? And what did you have to do in order to feel love? Was it safe love? Did you feel like you had to fend for yourself? Did you feel like you were alone all the time? Ask yourself these questions. And if you get stuck in a memory, be there. Be there for a moment. And tell that part of you how much you love her or you love him. Because nobody else did. And so for me, I have to do that. Because it allows me to have that memory. But to acknowledge that that was painful. To acknowledge that that is what formed Shasta. That that's what formed the next phase of my life and the next phase and the next phase. And it's why I'm here right now, divorced. I have six kids. I am just now figuring out what I like and don't like. (laughs) Learning boundaries, learning how to do healthy relationships, acknowledging how I feel in relationships. I'm here now because of all those memories. They're real. We can't suppress them. We can't deny them. We can't keep pretending like they don't matter. They very much do matter and they are a part of us. And so there are billions of tools that we can we can gain to access these parts of ourselves and heal. 
But for me right now, one of the most real things that I can do, one of the sweetest, most precious things I can do for myself as a woman and as as a mom, a, a daughter, a friend, a girlfriend, whatever it is, an ex-wife, <laughs> one of the most important things I can do for myself is to take time to love myself and to understand that the younger Shasta is what helped form the adult Shasta and that I have to bring it all into one. And it's hard and it's not easy and that's why I want to be here for you and whoever else and that, I mean, I invite those healthy conversations. I invite more from anyone that has anything to say or encouragement or whatever let's help each other out because we're all going through something whatever it is and so we're learning together I'm learning I'm learning how to make sure I have healthy people in my life that are people that have good energy you know we all kind of have to help each other out with that I believe that humans were meant to be in connection with each other, but we need to be moving forward. So that, I'm going to stop there. And my next episode will be a little bit more in depth with some childhood trauma and how to heal from that and how to, how to apply healing those parts of you in order to like develop healthy relationships now in in your life. And then soon I'm going to piece together my voice memos from the past nine days of healing, which is that's the dirty stuff I've recorded. Those are the moments where I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. <laughs> but I think it's important to share that stuff because with when other people start healing from the same kind of thing that I'm healing from, they're going to need to know those raw moments, you know? Because intimacy, I call that intimacy, sharing those parts of yourself with whoever needs to hear it. That's important in this life. So we'll see how that goes. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Out With The Old, In With The New, In The Closet with Shasta Eve. And I love y'all. Until next time.